How can I make love even when I'm not feeling my best? How can I make love because love as an act of just our expression right now, even when I might be a little angry, how can we love our way through that? Like making love doesn't need to be set for when we're both feeling amazing. And how do we start to use lovemaking as like a regular way to love each other through whatever is present for both of us and our relationship in that time? And it's a whole new world. So takes a lot of vulnerability. Wow. Mm. Welcome back to Wildly Empowered Women. Today I am joined by Melissa May, who is a yoga and embodiment retreat facilitator. She also does workshops and online classes for like hundreds of single women in my team, me working closely and seeing them thrive. I really want that and that's what I'm working towards and that's what I'm creating. And if you're open to sharing, how did you become a single mum? Yeah, it was so big, bigger than anything I've ever moved through before. The first couple of years was really, 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 really challenging. Welcome back to Wildly Empowered Women. Today I am joined by Melissa May, who is such an incredible person to have on the podcast because her whole business is around empowering women. So Melissa is a yoga and embodiment retreat facilitator. She also does workshops and online classes and what she has built her whole business and her career on in this business is around empowering women to be tenderly and powerfully themselves, to deepen their connection to their heart and to live their lives from this place. She also loves showing women how to embrace their shadow by choosing to play in the dark, which is a very intriguing line. I love that so much. So thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks, Jay-Z. So happy to be here. Can you share a bit about your story? Like how did you come to play in this realm in terms of what you do and how you serve women? Yeah. Without going into what I feel like is 20 lifetimes within a lifetime, um, I feel like there was a really big moment in my life where I really, really started to bow down to the wisdom of the body and started to enter into that whole um, yogic field and which then led me into embodiment work. Um, Since I was a teenager, I was heavily into self-development work. And if anyone's delved into self-development work, um, especially back in that time, it was a lot about the mind. And how can you understand more about the patterns of your mind? How does your mind, um, how does the stories that you've created about people in your life, about um, events that happened in your life, how are they shaping the way that you're living now and how are they stopping you from um, just having a beautiful life? Yeah. And that was pretty powerful for me at the age of 17 to delve into. I felt like um, it really opened up a lot in terms of how I relate with others, how I communicated um, and how I just could repattern um, the ways that I was thinking that was stopping me from doing the things I wanted to do. However, um, fast forward several years, I ended up in a really sort of tricky place in my life. Um, I was actually, my my biggest challenge at that time was I was um, battling an eating disorder and I honestly dug into my toolbox of knowledge and was like everything I could do to, to get out of this um, this cycle that I was in and nothing worked. Yeah, like I went to psychologists. I um, 
you know, educated myself. I, you know, kept recommitting, trying to use the strengths of my mind to overcome um, something. And it was the first time that those tools didn't work. And it was an incredibly um, very scary and vulnerable time for me because um, all of a sudden I was left helpless with literally I have nothing left in my toolbox. So what does this mean? Because I'm still in this cycle and I can't get out. And that's what led me to um, ending up in an ashram in India. And that was maybe 14 years ago now. And what that experience offered me was no more motivational pep talks, no more information, no more honing on analyzing um, why I had this eating disorder, trying to battle it from such a surface level. And I was able to just move through a deeply um, spiritual practice every day that had me reconnect to, to my essence, right? So I was able to connect to who am I beyond this physical body? And I think, you know, my whole childhood, I really did grow up thinking that how I looked, um, there was a value to that. And so, you know, and, and this all tied into having this eating disorder and wanting this perfect body. And um, the time in the ashram was really powerful because I had never felt more beautiful in my life where I wasn't wearing a skerrick of makeup. I, my, I had hair growing in my body longer than I had ever allowed in my life. And I'd never felt more beautiful and I never felt more pure. And I really, for the first time, um, was able to connect to stored pain in my body, stored trauma in my body um, that I just couldn't access and heal using my mind alone. So it was the first sort of wake up of like, oh my gosh, there's this whole unseen world beyond, you know, your mental mind and, and your physical body that is that holds a lot of wisdom and power and is holding a lot of um, our pain and it's going to come up in all these ways. Um, and when I left that ashram some months later, um, that's when I fully leaped into yoga because I felt like there is nothing more truthful that I would want to share with people because it's made this much of a profound impact on my life. And it just opened up this entire gateway to um, to wanting to connect with my body on a deeper level and wanting to really honour my body on a deeper level and have that um, intuitive, intuitive honouring relationship continuously with my body. Um, so that's sort of how I ended up into, I guess, into the realm of working with the body, but from a deeper perspective. Um, and then, yeah, a lot of people actually ask me, how did you go from like yoga to like sex? Because also it's kind of like in the ashram, we don't learn much about that. It's kind of like yoga, but like sexual energy, we sort of like don't want to go there too much, don't have an orgasm, you're going to release all your energy and you're like, all oh, right. And that was sort of the only education around sex. And so it's a great question because when I did leave the ashram, I I wasn't doing any of the work in the embodiment space or um, in in the area of sex and conscious sexuality. It was just um, yoga, working with the breath, working with the mind and working with um, our energetic body, which was so beautiful. But as my awareness started to expand and develop, I hit this moment and it was in a loving relationship that I was in. And I just let all this inside of like, oh my God, I just felt sex to be really uninspiring to me anymore. It was uninspiring because it, it just lacked, it lacked depth. I started to notice that I could feel my ego and the ego of my partner 
dancing in this act that was supposed to be lovemaking. Here I am having sex to feel wanted and good. Here he was having sex for some reason, simile. Um, but we loved each other. So it sort of, it got really cloudy. I felt that sex became really cloudy to me and it became really uninspiring. And I felt that I felt more connected and pure and in love with my partner outside of sex. Um, and then when sex came in, I could feel that it was, there was a lot of ego mixed up in it. So from there, I really just dived right into everything I could um, in the area of conscious sex. And what is this realm of human existence that we know very little about, um, that we're not educated on? And what is the sacredness um, that is that exists in this realm that we don't know about? Um, and that's what sort of led me to, not sort of led me, that is exactly what led me into being so passionate about bringing light and illumination to these parts of our being. Um, and that's kind of what I mean about, you know, empowering women to embrace their shadow and to embrace um, things that we might see as dark or um, a little bit risky. Like, what is this? What is this desire in me? What is this urging me? And can I actually be brave enough to play in it so I can learn about myself? Um, yeah. Let's talk conscious sexuality. This was actually one of my questions because I saw how incredible the topics are that you um, teach on your retreats to do with conscious sexuality. So can you just explain first, like, what does that mean in your words and what do you actually teach in the realm of conscious sexuality? So to me, conscious sexuality is bringing both awareness and loving intention to the area of sex. Um, and I think because sex has been a topic that is not widely discussed, it's very minimal. Most of us had very minimal um, education or just open conversation around sex growing up. And so how we have sex has come from down the grapevine, like friends talking to friends, pornography, movies, all these things that take away from our like direct human, loving, vulnerable connection with another person. And so when you think of um, starting to bring light and consciousness to the area of sex, it is being able to take a step back and um, actually enter that space with an open heart and being able to identify when when we've got other motives at play and hundreds of women that I have worked with, they will say things to me, but like there's not actually a single woman that I've worked with that hasn't said they haven't gone along with things that they don't really want to do or they're not fully ready to do, um, that they are having sex to please their partner, to bring back some sort of connection, especially for him because that's the way he connects through sex. Um, that they are in some sense role-playing, um, trying to be like something they've seen on a movie or that or that they feel that their man might be attracted to. So all of this, when you're role-playing, your heart's closed. Like when you're role-playing, you're not fully yourself. And so, yeah, that that brave journey to be like, okay, I actually want to make this conscious um, is super vulnerable, um, but it is it's super magical because 
because what is possible in that space when you are really yourself when you have sex and you you are there with an open heart and there's honesty um yeah you are reaching the depths of what love feels like in physical form you know and it's really really special so yeah there's you know there's definitely practices that I do teach in the women's immersions um but like the fundamental is like get honest with yourself and start taking action in being brave enough to to move into that space with beautiful honesty and being willing to um, inquire with your partner about how you can enter that in an honest way for them too. Um, and then there's practices. There's practices of um, how to, you know, circulate energy in your body in a way that um, we can use our sexual energy to to actually heal and open up our body and open up our heart in that space. There's ways to... Um, to notice the ways in which we avoid intimacy if we never make eye contact. I'm not saying stare in your partner's eyes for 50 hours, but, you know, especially when we orgasm, we have this tendency to, to close our eyes and to, to go into our own space and how do we stay connected in those moments. So there's, there's endless beautiful practices, but um, the fundamental is honesty and being willing to show up in a vulnerable way um, and not in a way that is... that is trying to achieve something in that moment other than to connect. Like how can I how can I make love even when I'm not feeling my best? How can I make love because love as an act of just our expression right now, even when I might be a little angry, how can we love our way through that? Like love doesn't, making love doesn't need to be set for when we're feeling, both feeling amazing or, you know, um, and how do we start to use lovemaking as like a regular a regular way to love love each other through whatever is present for both of us and our relationship in that time and it's a whole new world so it takes a lot of vulnerability wow um, this leads perfectly into the topic of authenticity and love and loving your whole self and not only starting with yourself because obviously we need to love ourselves to have a good relationship with someone else or all of that darkness that you spoke about before becomes very highlighted but also allowing yourself to be loved by others without hiding who you are. So can you talk to that? Because I know that's a really passionate topic of yours, the topic of love and authenticity. Yeah. It's really authenticity. Like what is authenticity? You know, authenticity is, you know, being who you feel yourself to be in any given moment, you know, and that giving yourself that freedom to to change your mind, to um to, to really express the different textures and flavors that make you a woman and make you a human. And this goes for both men and women. It's not women alone. Um, and it's really, really hard for someone. You can't actually love yourself fully if you're not giving yourself the chance to experience yourself fully, right? So if you're not um, allowing yourself to see, like to see yourself in all your colors and shades, uh, it's really difficult for you to love yourself fully, um, to know yourself fully. And it's really, really difficult um, for your partner to do the same because often not just your partner, you know, your partner, your friends, your family, your work colleagues, we often as humans will like just censor parts of ourselves here. I'll filter a little bit of myself here. I'll add a little bit more here. I'll take a little bit away here. And we actually can't have a regular experience of ourselves when we're just 
a little bit like this and then here and then there. And, and often, you know, women have said to me, I actually just don't feel like, um, my partner really fully, fully loves all of me. It's like, do you fully love all of you? Do you actually allow yourself to be all of you? And do you give them that opportunity? Um, yeah, it's, it's another brave arena because we have to get really comfortable with standing steady on our two feet and owning who we are, even if everybody else says not today, you know, and it's, it's really, it's really big work. Um, but when we find a partner, like love is an act of devotion, right? Like that's when we are like choosing to love somebody, our child, um, our partner, um, a family member, it's like, I'm devoted to growing with you and I'm devoted to your well-being and I'm devoted to evolve evolve with you, right? And to practice, yeah, practice devotion to you. And that means being devoted to the endless evolution um, that occurs in one lifetime for one person because we're constantly changing um, and relationships just suffer if we're not ourselves because it's just going to go like this because you are not being yourself fully. They don't have a chance to practice loving you fully and, and the gap gets bigger. Um, yeah, it's really, really fundamental in, in, in being loved and loving another person. Um, because it's a stand for truth as well. You know, you want what's true. Um, and if the truth isn't there, then it's, gets gets murky I love that and especially the reminder to actually love yourself before you expect someone else to because it start it always starts with you like it always starts with with your own journey with yourself so just to challenge that a little bit what about when someone is like just a bit of an asshole in an area right? Like just needs a little bit of work and maybe actually needs to address or grow in an area. And they're like, okay, well, I don't have to address that now. I can just love myself in that instead of actually like addressing it and and potentially getting some help with it or or doing some work on that area. Like where, where's the parameters, I guess, in what you want versus what you, you know, like we don't want to say, oh, it's just like an easy cop out for you to be like oh I love that I have a, a short temper and I'm not going to change it because my partner should just love it or I love that I you know do this or that like what what's the boundary that's a really beautiful question because I really feel that ultimately um the decision of um the pace in which we delve into working on ourselves, um, the pathway in which we choose to work on ourselves is our choice. And sometimes our partner has an idea of the pace in which we should be doing something, but that really needs to stand in your own autonomy of what feels right for your evolution as as your unique human in this lifetime on this planet. But, you know, when you look at self-love, self-love is, self-love includes truth, right? And honesty, like, just love includes truth and honesty. So you can't blanket over, um, you know, it's just the way that I am. And, um, I just accept myself the way that I am. It's like, cool. Um, acceptance is one thing. Um, but when you really do love yourself and when you do really love, um, the person that you're devoted to, whether that's your children or your partner, 
there's a there's a commitment there of um how do I get past myself so that I can be a better human for myself then the people in my life and then the wider community and I just don't think without um without that honesty in 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 um reflecting on your behaviors and your impact on other people and without your commitment to evolve like that love really isn't there but the pace of that I think this is the for me I found this to be such a more complex dance is because previously I was very hardcore I see something I'm on it I see something I'm on it I was like way more cutthroat than anyone would expect like no one could ask about anything more because I was on it I was on it and Honestly, since since yoga, um, I've had such a more softer approach on myself. You know, I trust in I trust in my pace, and sometimes, um, for some reason, when we're not ready at this time, it's it's um, it could be too big, you know. And I think that that's our own sort of discerning place in that. But yeah, overall, yeah, you have to. Yeah, if you're not being honest with yourself and you're not um, wanting to look at yourself, it's it's like actually quite an unloving, <laughs> unloving thing to yourself and to the people that you're devoted to. Um, but first and foremost, yourself. I love yeah. that. That is such a great answer to that question that it actually just takes a little bit of giving yourself the time to look internally and, and to actually give yourself a, a little bit of time on yourself, um, which a lot of women, you know, in such fast-paced jobs and careers and being mums and doing all the things, like, may not even allow that space to just give themselves a little bit of time and, yeah, and space to have those thoughts and to be with themselves and be with their thoughts. So I'm curious to hear, this kind of leads me to my next question, you have worked with and empowered so many women to just learn what it is to actually be a woman. It sounds so basic, but it's actually so powerful in the work that you do. I'm curious to hear what are the patterns and conditionings that you hear repeatedly from these types of women who I imagine would be very growth-minded, right? They'd be very open to feedback and they want they want to hear it and they're probably very open and, and vulnerable and honest with you. Like what are those things that come up a lot in the women that you work with? One of the biggest things that... Um feel like almost all of us have experienced to some degree but um definitely the women that come to work with me leads from that um that people pleasing um yeah the people pleasing pandemic (laughs) that we are in because we have spent since we were children you know being um, praised um, by perhaps any caregivers, our parents, when we're like the good girl, when we like help others and like tidy up and when we like are easy and go along with things, we got love and we got praise. And I almost haven't met a single person that didn't have that dynamic growing up. And so as we keep evolving um, and growing up as, as little women and then older women, we still have that within us that if we don't um, do things to – our value comes in how we serve others all the time and how we serve others, how we serve others. And so 
when women turn up to my immersion, they're just, they're sometimes so exhausted. They're completely burnt out. They don't know how to say no. Um, they feel guilty if they say no. They feel terrified if they share the truth of what's important to them or the truth of what they want and what they desire. They're really, really scared of standing in the face of somebody not agreeing, somebody not liking that. Um, that's a really big obstacle that we we kind of begin to um, offer small tools to how to not fall into the pattern in the moment. And they're really like simple things, but it's a commitment. Like simple things are really scary because it's it's a commitment in every, you know, in every moment that when say someone asks a request of you that you don't respond straight away. I need time to think about this. I'll get back to you. And even just that is so scary for some women because even that, that could be such a different response than that person's used to hearing from you. Even that, they're going to be like, well, what do you, what do you mean? What do you need to think about? Sometimes they, they're pushed back, you know, pushed back, get pushed back in that way. And it's so courageous just to say, you know, I need time to think about this as to whether this will work for me and whether I'm able to, to give you that with my whole heart and then go and take time and give them a time frame in which you'll get back to them. But it's like small space that you can create that you can actually tune in because um, if, you, if you've lost that connection with your body and your intuition in that moment because um, you're so caught up in, that, in, in the interaction, to come back and give your space time to connect in so that you can actually, I don't want to do that or I do but under these parameters and then you can go back in such a clear and loving way to that person because then the exchange is so beautiful and it's so pure because they've made a request, great for them, good for them making requests, like it's so good and then really great that you can offer what you can with your whole heart and then there's, you know, you're not left feeling disempowered. You're not left feeling like you're living your life um, at the pool of other people's needs and wants and not really tuning into your own. So that's a really big one. Um, just takes time and practice and, and commitment. Yeah. A little pleasing pandemic. I am so, I have witnessed that so much in the women that we work with. Absolutely. And also I'm, I'm curious to hear if this is another one women really owning and asking for what they want and not turning around it but actually mm -hmm. going this is what I want and it doesn't mean being like selfish to the point of only thinking about yourself but selfish to the point of actually thinking about yourself yeah. I know right actually just thinking about including myself <laughs> like such a yeah and that's you know that is that's really common with all women and it's really common with mothers um and, you know, because, yeah, when we become mo mothers, our whole, you know, to be, I was talking about this the other day, you know, to my mum actually, and it was this comment about um, seeing a father in the supermarket and thinking he was a really good dad for being in the supermarket with his kids and um, a woman praising him for that. And I think that, you know, that's so beautiful that he's praised for going to the supermarket with his kids. Um, but just you can sort of see those sort of, expectations with women like women are here with like five kids one script every day it's just, it's what they do you know it's just what they do and um yeah I think it's so deeply ingrained and expected of women to be in this you know to sacrifice to the extent that is actually of a debt like of course it's a sacrifice but sacrifice is not a bad thing. like I love 
what I've sacrificed to be a mother to Grace. I find that as like, I, I don't see it as a sacrifice. I see it as a, I give up this in order to have this. And this is beautiful. But then there's this other level that, you know, us women can get stuck in and of, of like, oh my God, I'm going to go and do this just, just for me. This is actually not, it all impacts the greater good and our families. But, but sometimes from the outside, I can look like, this is actually just what I really want for me and my life and my vision. And, you know, and that's, it's really hard for women to step out of the conditioning that we've had. Um, but so necessary. No one wins if we're not, if we're not connected and alive through a passion. I really, whatever that passion is. And if your passion is fully, um, you know, being a mother full time and, and nothing else, then you rock on. And that is exactly where you should be. And there are many women that I speak to that um, are just trying to find their way out of that. And I think it is, it's, it's so important because yeah, our families, our families don't win unless we're really, um, we're able to nurture other parts of ourselves too. So on the topic of motherhood and solo motherhood, which you're journeying through at the moment, what have been your biggest lessons, growth, like, you know, shares in that journey of solo motherhood? Before we go on, I want to ask you a super powerful question. What would it mean to you to make decisions based on your soul rather than your bank balance? Freedom to me means having true autonomy and choice in your life to live based off your values and soul's desires rather than what you can purely afford for you and your family or what your job requires of you. This is why I've been empowering women for the past almost five years to earn more with pleasure earning your true worth without the insane hustle and with actually having choice in your life. It is so much more about how you earn rather than what you earn. If you'd like to learn more about how I mentor women to earn a time-leveraged income online, selling conscious health-based products and learning the skills of personal branding and attraction marketing, both very sexy skills to have, then click on the link in the show notes or DM me the word info on Instagram so we can have a proper chat. I love having one-on-one convos with you savvy queens and showing you how this kind of income and our community can help you truly live wildly empowered. Big love, back to the episode. I think that kind of, you know, leading on from what we were just talking about, um, when I, in the first couple of years of having Grace, I was so much in survival and so much just like, how do I just get through the day and like keep my daughter happy and healthy, essentially, <laughs> was all that was on my mind. And I was really suffering um, in many ways. But I, I honestly, when I look back, I don't really know another way through that period. Um, but I have been learning and still learning how important it is that I prioritize my health, <laughs> my well-being, my joy, my social connection um, with other adults and humans as priority so I can show up um, for my daughter and so that we can have a happy family. Um, I think at the, you know, in the early stages, it was just like a little I didn't realize the impact on my family actually on Grace when I was so um when I was 
struggling so much, you know, I didn't really see the, couldn't like correlate the impact. I was like, well, my, I'm giving my kid what she wants. doesn't matter what I want kind of thing. Um, and that shifted massively. And I can see the impact that that's had on my daughter, um, seeing me happy and thrive and, um, yeah, whether that's taking time away from her, which I do very frequently, um, because I feel that's what I need to be able to keep the ship afloat in a really beautiful, healthy way. Um, that's something that I've really learned. And, um, yeah, there is moments like that little voice in me. That's like the, the old paradigm voice. It's not healthy says maybe it's a little bit too much. Maybe you shouldn't have got that massage this week. Maybe you shouldn't have like, was that really necessary? Like these little things always come in and I'm like, no, hell no. I am role modeling to my daughter that this is normal to take care of yourself. It is normal to have a massage if that's what you want and that's what you're wanting to create possible for your life. Like these things is really good for my daughter to witness that she doesn't need to see her mom sacrifice, like sacrificing and struggling. Um, you know, as a single mother, she can actually see me thriving and that this is possible for her too. The other day she said this to me. She said, when I get bigger and you get smaller, she has this concept apparently when she grows up, I'm going to get small. She says, and this was her way of describing what her mummy does, I realised. And she's like, I'm going to cook and tidy up and I'm going to do yoga and get massages. And a part of me was like, well, that's not all I do. But I sort of thought, well, actually, I'm really happy that you see that as part of my life. And, you know, it was a really beautiful moment, actually, um, that she didn't just see, oh, mummy just working all the time. And, you know, it, it just that was a normal part of what mummy does. That's, um, yeah. That is so gorgeous that that is her interpretation because how different to a generation ago or a generation before that, you know, like being able to actually like shift what your daughter sees as like what gets to be the norm as a grown woman, like as an adult woman and as a mother, like being able to do both, like, yeah, cooking, cleaning and being a mum and also taking care of yourself and having solo time and having time without the kids and doing you know, what fills your cup back up. That's so beautiful. You should be really proud of that. Yeah. We have a little moment. Went, All right. Yeah. We're doing something right. We're doing something right. <laughs> and if you're open to sharing, how did you become a single mum? Um, it's a very, you know, it's, it's, it's a complex and, and, you know, long story, which I don't, you know, want to go too much into, um, just to, yeah, just really respect and honour um, the journey that me and my ex-partner have been on. But, um, yeah, when I became a sort of a solo parent when Grace was like two months old um, and, yeah, Grace and Grace's father and I were together and it was through COVID and he had to go back to the USA where he resides and he was stuck out of the country and our relationship you know, began to really, yeah, we, you know, he and I both know that it wasn't just that, you know, we, we had our challenges anyway, but that really, really made things really challenging to navigate being a first time mom with a newborn baby, race wasn't well, um, and not having your partner there and not knowing when they're going to come back and having that stress over your head for months and months and months he ne he didn't end up coming to see her again until it was like two years um and so that's you know it's it's massive so 
Um, it was kind of this kind of at the start, it was like, I'm, I'm not really a single mom because I have a partner over there, but I'm still doing, you know, a lot of the groundwork on my own. And then it came to a point that we, you know, we ended our relationship. Um, and then I was like, officially, all right, I'm, this is, this is really now moving forward. Um, because he is in another country, um, there's no way for him to have regular, regular care of grace, you know, um, yeah. Challenging time. I imagine that would have created so much. Um, in hindsight, I'm sure it would have been extremely challenging at the time. But looking at what you've been able to do as a single mum and by yourself and the trust that you can now have on, like, uh, the trust within yourself on, like, wow, look at what I can get through. Look at what I can do. Look at what I can, you know, like, universe. <laughs> You just can't even sleep still. I'm like, how did I survive? And how am I? Yeah, it was so big, bigger than anything I've ever um, moved through before. Um, and obviously still moving through it, but not not in that, you know, first couple of years was really, 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 really challenging. Um, but yeah, you know, just you have to keep looking you have to keep opening up your lens of like, I, I've always been the person that like, there is a way, like there, there will be a way. Um, you just need to keep staying open and, you know, looking at how I can make this work. Um, and it's one of the reasons I moved into this business, into Enagic and working with the Wildly Empowered Collective because, um, out of literally all the options I had looked at, there was nothing I could see that was going to offer me um, the money and the space and the time to thrive being a solo parent. I actually thought thriving as a solo parent is something I'm going to have to wait until uh, maybe she goes to school, maybe a bit later, not sure when thriving would come back into the picture. I thought, yes, surviving, yes, doing good and having a good life, but the feeling of thriving was so far away from me until this business. Um, wow. Yeah. So you know, it really took me being open to new avenues and being willing to do whatever it takes <laughs> um, to take care of, yeah, the highest priorities, which is mine and my daughter's house and us to be able to, you know, really have a life that we, we deserve to have, that we can breathe, that her mother can breathe. <laughs> Yeah, and be present and um, not be in a constant cycle of anxiety because that's what life was like before. Yeah, constant. Yeah, I'm sure a lot of people can resonate with that listening to this. So can you share what is it that you were fully attracted to specifically in this business and what's your vision with it? What was I attracted to? Um, see, I had known about the products for eight years. I had always wanted a K8 um, a water ionizer but I also didn't want it enough to pay the price tag at the time through my life I was like I really love that one day you know that's gonna happen Um, so it was really the business opportunity and what was available for me like it was just like you know I went through the phase of like is this real like there's got to, where's the catches? Let me really look into this because, you know, I had so many um, 
stories about money that, you know, money can't come easy. And I'm not saying the journey is easy because it isn't, but I feel like that I'm finally getting paid what I deserve for the energy that I'm putting out into the world. And that's just so amazing to feel, you know, like all through my work of yoga and embodiment, I would get the satisfaction of like loving the work and like getting paid X. Um, but the main, the main benefit was like, I get to do what I love and pay my bills. And that is amazing. And now it's like, I, I get paid really, really good, (laughs) um, to still, you know, to still work with women, you know, to still, um, do work that I love within this space. So it really, yeah, it really, what attracted me most was the fact that I could earn really good money, um, working wherever I wanted that was a really important thing because I need to be able to work from home I need to work on the couch when Grace is here or if she's sick I need to be able to work in bed if I need to um I really needed to be able to do that because there was no other way um that I was going to be able to thrive uh, working in this I couldn't see it um and to have passive income you know to have income coming in you know sometimes I'm like I'm expecting a certain um paycheck to come in and like look that money come from oh off we go here's another couple of thousand and I love that and it's so it's so beautiful but it's not it's not like it's come from nowhere it's come from you know the work that we're doing and the teams that we're building and it's so beautiful so yeah the capacity to to earn money wherever I wanted and work in the pockets of my life that I could around my daughter and me um, is what was really attractive and I couldn't find that anywhere else. And I'm so thrilled to be here because it's absolutely, it's massively shifted my life. And what is your vision for the impact that you know and intend to have with this business and on other women's lives? I think because I am still so like tenderly in the space of um, the challenges of being a single mom and, and um it's still so tender to me and I am connected with a lot of single mothers because of, um, you know, our, our shared experiences. Um, and I was actually speaking to my mum the other day and I said, oh my God, mum, I just have this vision. Just like, I want like, like, like hundreds of single women, you know, like in my team, me working closely and seeing them thrive, you know, I really, 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 want that and that's what I'm working towards and that's what I'm creative creating and and it, it's happening you know and to see that in places where they thought it wasn't possible because I also thought it wasn't possible and to see them breathing again I mean it's just the basics to begin breathing again like I just want to give you space to breathe and then after you start breathing like we can really like take care of you and your babies and it's going to be great and it's it's really it really excites me um and of course, you know, it applies to all women and all people, but I feel really, really um, lit up by um, working with other single mothers um, in that way. And I can see this business being, I don't really like using words like golden ticket because it sounds like it's like something magical that's come from nowhere because it actually is a real tangible opportunity. Like it's, it's got a lot of roots to it and it's a really great opportunity, but um, I think that a lot of us can be close to these types of opportunities. So it seems like, you know, what is that? It's too good to be true. And I really, I can really see that, yeah, this business, um, 
if if women choose to take a good look at it, it can really, really um, transform their lives mm. on their terms, you know, like amongst what what's required um, in their lives and for what matters most to them. That's what I love most about the business. It's like it just supports what matters most to whoever you are. That's just, That's all it does. What matters most to you, it'll support that. What matters most to me, it'll support that. And we can be so, so different. We can be so the same, but we get that choice um, because we're supported in in such a, yeah, such an incredible business and collective. Something you just said then brought tears to my eyes when you said, let's just allow you to breathe first and then go from there. That is something that, you know, when you're a single mum or single you know even without being a mum everything rides on your shoulders everything is on your shoulders like you know and it's very easy to get into survival mode and even just so many people right now I see it every day are in survival mode they don't have the chance to just sit and breathe and recalibrate and actually have someone holding their hand and guiding them through what their life could look like on the other side of creating Mm -hmm. actual freedom so that in itself, just allowing women to breathe, what a beautiful legacy. Yeah, I really feel that deep in my heart, deep in my bones. Wow. Because it really links back to um, the passion of my work because if, we, if we're not, if we don't have the space to breathe, we, we cannot um, connect to our heart, cannot connect to our intuition and we cannot make choices from that place. And... Yeah, and we're stuck in a cycle. So, yeah, breathing space is a good good first yeah, step. Really. <laughs> the other thing that you shared that I think is a really beautiful point to make is you shared around, you know, you were doing, you were following your passion in yoga and in your embodiment work, which are two really, you know, they're definitely your zones of genius and they're really impactful areas to be able to work in. And it's beautiful that you were able to create a business in both of them. And also, isn't it beautiful that you can now do them out of a space of pure passion without actually caring too much about what you get paid? Because you're supported in this business with a passive income and with high commissions, like a really high return business, so that you can do things from a place place of passion rather than obligation or need or, um, you know, like I'm sure for some people, a little bit of desperation because they're doing it to like pay their mortgage or pay their rent or pay their bills and they are in survival mode. The very thing that supposedly brings them joy ends up bringing them a little bit of anxiety or a little bit of stress. So can we talk a bit on that of like the the freedom that you get when you have another income, e.g. this business that you, where where you're not exchanging time for money, it's actually you're getting so much in return when you make a sale and when you build passive income and what that means for your actual true passions. Yeah. Like pre-Grace, I felt like I was in like such a good place with my work and business. I felt really successful because um, I was making really good money actually Um but of course I had no other responsibilities in my life. I could just, you know, as a single person be here, there and everywhere. But I was also actually quite exhausted and quite burnt out. But I never really um, I never really acknowledged that um, or admitted that because I was still so high on loving my work. And then, you know, since having Grace, I, I would 
get this joy from my work, but it was, you know, it was so much, um, you know, laced with that survival energy, you know, and having to like make ends meet and, um, doing this to pay the bills and it was just a roller coaster and I never thought I never actually ever thought I could ever do my passions with complete freedom like in the sense of do them when I felt I really um felt called to do that work um and to show up without the price tag being a really important thing um I never I never imagined ever being able to do that and so being in that position now it's actually so exciting because I love what I what I do in the yoga embodiment space and like right now I did share on my social media the, the other day but I'm actually working on some free offerings and it's like oh my god free offerings I get to make free offerings for a, like my community and I feel so excited about it um I'm not like oh my God, I have to do this by a certain deadline. I get to, you know, play in this and offer this um, in a way that serves me and and serves others. So yeah, it's a pretty incredible feeling to be able to do your um, passion work. Um, yeah, in an unpressured way. Was the quality of your creativity and your heart giving is so much more pure and so much more potent and so much more integral when it comes when it's not laced with the energy of survival and, and fear and you know wrapped around the the dollar signs um yeah so I'm really excited with um with the work that I have you know coming up in the next year um but it's just so spacious and I feel like it'll be really really magical it's when you said like wrapped up in the money, like the thing that I find really interesting because I'm sort of, I guess, on the other end of the spectrum where I left the PR industry and I was like, you know what? I'm actually really good at PR, really good at my job. I actually get really lit up when I believe in the product or I believe in the in the business. So I, I thought, I was like, you know what? When I'm killing it in my energy business, I'm going to offer PR pro bono to just do the work for the businesses and the people and the products or services that I just really love and I really want to support. I've been in this business for five years, retired for four years. Not once have I done that (laughs) because you know what? You can have, it's so funny. Like you can have a job and be good at it, but it doesn't mean it's your passion. And what I truly love, and Mm -hmm. I've done this my whole life, and this is exactly what this whole podcast is about, is I love highlighting women in their genius zone I love highlighting like what their potential is holding up a mirror holding space for them being the spotlight being the microphone for them and that often does support their business right I'm always like whenever I have someone on this podcast I'm like what can we share with the audience like how can they how can we bring them value how can they work with you how can they get even more genius from you so I guess that's my way of, of in inverted commas doing the PR I feel like as soon as you actually have financial freedom, you also understand very clearly what your values are and what you actually enjoy doing and what you don't enjoy doing. Because as soon as you don't get paid for something, it actually completely changes the energy around what it feels like to do that thing. Yeah. 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 That's really powerful. Um, when you, yeah, if you're not getting paid for it, are you actually yeah still doing this you know yeah yeah yeah. and sometimes maybe you would still do it but 
definitely probably not the frequency yeah. you're doing it. Yeah. You know, um, yeah, at the sacrifice of your own, yeah, your own health or the other priorities. Yeah. It's a, it's a beautiful and interesting mirror to be held up when, when you see that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know what you have coming up in the next year, but are you able to share what you have coming up and what you're working on and how these beautiful women can work with you if they feel the the pull? Yeah. I lead a few women's immersions, five-night immersions, where we get to really sit in a really safe-held container to, yeah, to reconnect to our bodies again, um, to work through different embodiment practices, yoga, using our voice um, and delving into conscious sexuality, um, all the juicy topics. Um, You can find these details on my website. So I lead them. They're like live in. I do them in Bali and in Byron Bay where I live. And I offer yoga classes online. Um, And, of course, you know, you can rock and roll with us in Enagic. Um, I work really closely with my team and it's been such a beautiful addition to my life, this business, because I'm able to still do this work of supporting women in, you know, stepping into who they are and owning who they are and using their voice um, in this space. And then they also get a business out of it and an income out of it. So it's really, really, really powerful and really um, an incredible space to be in. So yeah, incredible. I, I'll have your Instagram and website in the show notes. So that's where you can go if you'd like to learn more. Very last question. If you could go back to your 21-year-old self and give her any words of wisdom or something that you feel that she could have benefited from hearing, what would that be? Before we wrap up this episode, I want to ask you a question. Do you remember how you discovered this podcast? Was it a friend's suggestion or an Instagram story, maybe a post? Somehow you found it and I'm hoping you're getting a lot of value from it. I need your help now to pay it forward so that other women can feel seen, heard, nourished and more than anything empowered from these conversations too. Big love, back to the episode. I would have said to little 21-year-old Melissa, um to always follow your instinct. The only way you will learn is through traveling that path yourself. (laughs) Um, And no matter which way that path takes you from your exploration will be perfect. Everything is always working out um, for you. Yeah. Grace is one lucky gal to have you as a mama. That is such beautiful advice to live by. Word, live by. Mm. It's really beautiful. Thank you so much for joining us today. Really appreciate you being here and all of that wisdom that you've shared. If you would like to share this episode, please do with another wildly empowered woman. We would love to hear from you. Message Melissa or I on Instagram. Feel free to share it into your stories and tag us. And we hope that you've actually taken on what we've spoken through and really um, can go out and and start to live from that. I, I like to sometimes have a little bit of home play. 
from these discussions. And one of the biggest things that I feel, you know, would be hugely beneficial, Mel, from what you shared was the people pleasing thing. And actually sitting with, if someone asks you something or requests something, take 24 hours and sit with it and come back to them once you've actually felt in your body and and in your mind and actually sat with what you want as well and what the potential boundaries or parameters or um, you know other parts of that request could be when you go back to them. I loved that you shared that and I want to set that as a little bit of um, conscious home play. Thanks, Thank you, Legend. Really appreciate it. And have a beautiful week, everyone. We'll see you on the next episode.